0: Good morning, everybody. Oh, sorry, let's do that again because I was we'll yawning. I was yawning. Good morning. We are in Cardiff, in Wales, which is not England, <laughs> and uh, that's important. It's an important distinction. We are in a different country, and we are in the Blue Bell in Cardiff, opposite Cardiff Castle, and we're here for an early morning pint. And uh, yeah, we're going to be discussing emotions mm. and empathy. empathy and judging people and things like that. So, uh, welcome everybody to the newest, as it stands, episode of the Our Podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Play the jingle. Here we go. Cheers, mate. Cheers, bud. Here's all. It smells good. I think, you've got a...
1: Well, let's explain where we are and then then it'll probably help explain the beer, won't it?
0: That's really nice.
1: So we are in Cardiff. We are in a pub called The Blue Bell. Because in a blue bell, a bell of (laughs) blue colour rather than a flower. And this is a... Actually, we've realised this is a pub that we have done a pub cast in before, but there's a story because the pub has changed names since then. We Educators. So this pub is called The Bluebell, um, but we did a, a pub cast in here when it was called The Goat Major in Cardiff, which is at the top of uh, St Mary's Street. Just over there. Yeah. Um, but the, the pub closed down apparently during lockdown, during Covid, um, by the brewery, a Brains Pub and they weren't planned to reopen it Um, but the a new brewery came in and bought it and reopened it post lockdown and changed the name there was a big uproar in the community because they didn't like the fact they changed the name but um it was they didn't realize the Bluebell was this this pub's original name from like the 1800s interesting so there you go that's a little bit of A potted history.
0: I wonder why it became the goat major. That's the story. I think that was it was
1: a a military, obviously a military, um, uh, a nod to to the military in the mid nineties. It it became the goat major in the mid nineties. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. uh, So what are you drinking, mate? I'm drinking a a tiny rebel. Pull me closer. (laughs) Tiny rebel, which is a Welsh brewery, and I'm drinking a pint of kutch.
1: Spell Kutch for us, Jeff. That's C-W-T-C-H. Very good. It's a Welsh word. But what does it mean in Welsh, Jeff? I don't know what it means. But it rhymes with butch. It's good. I'll tell you what it means. It means a hug full of love, Jeff. Ah. Oh, it's a nice, nice, nice touch, isn't it? That is nice. So, um...
0: I tell you what, I am feeling a bit of love when I'm drinking. It's very nice.
1: It's um, apparently... I'm reading from the website here, people. Um, it's a, a Welsh red ale. It yeah, is quite it is red. red. It's quite, it is red, isn't it? Very dark. It
0: has sort of notes of red fruit okay um but that might be contaminated by its proximity to yours but we'll come to that in a minute but it's very smooth very um it's almost squash like in its consistency mm. um yeah quite light it's not it hasn't got any kind of bitterness to it mm. but equally it's not particularly sweet what does it say on there it says on
1: here on the on the tiny rebel website tinyrebel.co.uk i feel like we should be sponsored by yeah. them um Taste multi fruity. Okay. That's what it says, and a nose, a smell of toffee. Okay. Can you get toffee from it? And citrus. Toffee and citrus. I mean it if says. I want to get toffee. From it, <laughs> you like yours now,
0: it. but it didn't come to mind.
1: There you go. and well, I've got um, a, a traditional pint of yard of uh, of strongbow dark fruit because <laughs> it is. It's, we will be honest with you. It's 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 morning time, so um, it's not quite midday
0: yet. No, we are the only people in the pub, mm. uh, in one of the only pubs that's open. And we'll be honest with say We are await- dedicated professionals. Well, yes. Dedicated to our craft.
1: To the, to the cause and to our to our patrons. Yeah. To our listeners. So,
0: uh, uh, what was it? A hug, hug full of love. Mmm. Mm. I like that. Interesting that the, the community didn't like the name change, because I I'm, there aren't many things. That, no, no, I won't go that far. No. So I've written before that I don't believe that people don't like change. Mm-hmm. It's the problem that people I think have with change is if it's forced upon them, right. they'll resist it because of autonomy. I think they value autonomy over progress. Mm-hmm. And if they if they think it's potentially detrimental to them, or well, they, they don't think the change is possible, mm. then they will resist. But it was actually once they found out why, they quite liked it because mm. tradition. Yeah. So they, their their instinctive response was this brewery have malevolent intentions. Yeah. But they actually, had good intentions.
1: Yeah. It made the BBC website. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. But then that's just lack of knowledge, surely. Lack of um, it was you the the, the, the ch- original change predated, or the original name, predated a lot of people's uh, mm. knowledge.
0: It's, it's quite, I think that's quite common to just assume the worst of strangers. Yeah. And it's rare that, it's not, not, um, it, it's not it never happens, but it's rare that people have purely evil intentions. Mm. And if we can, well, if we can take the time to try and understand where people are coming from, that's usually a good thing. But even if we don't, assuming positive intent is often a good strategy, in my opinion.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'm doing some work at the moment. I'm, I'm writing a, writing my uh, my talks for Lisbon. I'm going to Lisbon, as you as you know. For our when is that? Well, as we as we sit here and speak today, Jeff, I'm flying on Saturday, and today oh, wow. today is Thursday. Okay, yeah. So the conference starts in in, in earnest on Monday.
0: So uh, last responsible moment then.
1: Always, mate. Always. Um, but I'm writing about empathy at the moment. So I just just before we, you arrived today, I was doing a bit of a, some research on empathy and I'm very much listening and trying to listening without prejudice. Wasn't that George, a Michael? George Michael album? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, it's just about, you're trying to listen about where they are rather than where you are.
0: Yeah, I am, yeah. I had regular, well, it's very common for me to have conversations with people about thinking positively of potential Agile teams. Mm -hmm. Developers, engineers, people like that. Yeah. And the natural view is that if we give them autonomy, they might not be very good. They might be lazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, so I spend a lot of time saying, oh, actually people want to be successful. Give them something to be successful in and they want to be successful. Mm-hmm. Give them the conditions to succeed. Uh, so, oh, well, yeah, well, maybe I'll give them a chance. And that, that message is, I think, starting to, to get there. I w- almost maybe cross the chasm on that, mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. But one that doesn't often get spoken is the reverse. So a couple of weeks ago, I was um, working with a group of product owners mm-hmm. and they were frustrated by leaderships, the boards, flip-flopping as they saw it on strategy. They yeah. said, so, you know, they're, never, they're always changing their minds. You know They say, this is our strategy. And so then we start making our roadmaps and creating our product goals and sprint goals towards this strategy. And then, you know, a month later or something, it's completely different. Mm. And we've got to completely change everything and then the development teams look at us and think that we're the ones doing it and they just got no no vision, they've got no idea and they don't realise the consequences of all they're doing and part of that is is probably true but you know my message to them is they're not doing it for the hell of it, they're not doing it for kicks yeah. they're probab- they're, there are probably meetings going on there's probably information that you're not aware of possibly not legally allowed to be aware of mm. that are influencing this um, and you're seeing the results there and yes it's frustrating but actually they're not doing it to screw you over, they're not doing it to sabotage the company. Yeah. You know, empathize with the difficult position that they must be in. Yeah. Rather than thinking, you know, you're wrong, you're bad. And from a from an agile change perspective, yeah, you know, leadership are often viewed as the the sort of standard bearers of the status quo. Mm. And largely, the state of the organization is attributed to what they've done. And so if we're coming out and saying what we've we've done and what we're doing needs to change, Mm. there's kind of an implication there that you're wrong, Mm. you've done badly. We need to change because of you. Mm. And you need to change what you're doing. And it's a very, puts someone in a very defensive position Mm. where they kind of have to almost stand there while you throw eggs at them and they've got egg on their face. Mm. Which I don't think is a good thing. So, give the leadership psychological safety to to change Mm. without that sort of guilt or judgment. Mm. I guess that's my message then. Give them a a hug full of love. Exactly. Yeah. And it's I know. Yeah.
1: We have this perception that as you uh, attain a a, a higher position in the company. Therefore, in a in a in a basic way, you're in some way stronger, and you're in some way um, more more intelligent or more you know more, more powerful, whatever it might be. Yeah. So, but in many cases of leaders that I've spoken to, then they're, they're not, and they're, they're not. You know, they, they have as much fear as the rest of us mm. about the unknown. They have they don't have all the answers to all the, all the problems that they're thrown at, and it's it's somewhat the, the pressure. I imagine to, to try and empathise with the pressure that some of these people are under, mm-hmm. especially at that C-suite level,
0: that they they feel
1: that the the success or failure of the company is on their their shoulders.
0: I know a lot of them feel that as if they're damned if damned if they do and damned if they don't. If they come out and make a decision, and you. Know, give some very strong guidance, there's a message, well, hold on a minute, you know, you should be empowering, you should be engaging, you should be getting shared, buy-in towards this, yeah. and if they, if they don't, well, you're not very decisive, you're not proactive, you're not giving us the leadership we need. Mm. I know that there's a huge amount of insecurity there in terms of, well, I don't, what I, what's I what got me here, you're telling me, isn't gonna get me there. No. So how do I have value now? Mm. You know, how do, how do I play a role, what's my role, what's my, Position. How do I do that? What skills do I leverage? And I, you know, I'm in a position of high visibility. Where if, you know, I, I, if I admit weakness, mm. that could be my career on
1: that. exactly. Yeah, I think there's much more of a, especially maybe I notice there's more in larger organisations that as you move up the organisational structure, the Some percept- kind of beautiful
0: stranger. Yeah. Treating Strangers is beautiful. Sorry, I, I'm getting a bit too philosophical.
1: And this is very 1997, is Madonna. Yeah, the university is. Austin Powers 2. Austin Powers movie, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, we digress. But yeah, as you move up that organisational pyramid, the, um, the belief is you know, that in order to get further, I have to think more about myself, I, I suppose, to a degree. How much of your own personal journey or your own personal achievements outweigh what you know the typical lifespan of your role in that in that yeah, for, for your teams or for your uh, your department or whatever it might be well, moving on to
0: bigger better different things yes and so i'm not going to i'm going to say something that can potentially undermine what i said so what i said earlier on there aren't many people out there that are you know evil trying to do bad things trying to sabotage statistically however at board level, at C-suite level, there is a much higher proportion of psychopaths and sociopaths uh, true. than anywhere else. So that that safety within the boardroom, there's a reason why perhaps we don't feel as safe, and it is quite political. I, I use the analogy of Game of Thrones. Only one person can sit on the Iron Throne. There's so much politics and you know, alliances and backstabbing, and, and, and or at least perceived um, that. that 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 makes that vulnerability mm. a lot more seem a lot more dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and there is no, there's no really getting away from that. But um, how so? How do you build empathy? Putting psychopathy and sociopathy to one side. How how? Give us a preview of your talk because by the time this is out, you'll have done it. So <laughs> what? Uh, give us a preview of what you're going to say about empathy. So in terms of. Empathy,
1: I think empathy is something that you can, is a muscle um, that you can work. I don't think, I think, we don't spend a lot of time practicing empathy. Um, And it's more opportunities than you might think to, to actually practice it at a local level. Just in terms of how you, how often you access those emotions yourself. The first thing that the theory would suggest is around before you can establish empathy, you need to establish self-awareness. Okay. So before you can say, I think you're feeling frustrated or I think you're feeling anxious, you need to understand what feeling frustrated and anxious okay. how that makes you feel and be able to understand that yourself. So I think that's the first thing. And I think a lot of, particularly I'm making a sweeping statement now, particularly in the tech industry, emotions are not generally things that we talk about a lot. Mm. And uh, maybe not things that we feel we have to use a lot, but particularly when we're dealing with collaboration and we're dealing with human um, complex problems, trans- yeah, or- organizational transformation problems, we have to cope with and we have to deal with people's
0: emotions. We're playing, we're playing with people's emotions a lot. Um, so, what's the benefit of empathy, in your opinion? Um, I
1: think. The benefit of empathy is that you can affect change in a more rounded, whole way. Okay. I think it's effective for coaching. I think it's effective for building relationships. I think it's effective for almost every part of business. Okay.
0: Um, so it's effective life for making as well as change more effective? So step one is develop self-awareness and then mm-hmm. develop empathy. So how do, you, how do you develop self-awareness? Give us a tip.
1: Um, widening your emotionally, emotional vocabulary. OK, so learning new words about feelings. Yep. Teach me T- Trying to describe emotions in different ways. Okay. So we're, the, the Brits are d- terrible at this in terms of, there's a joke, I think it was Jack D said this, wasn't it? In terms of Jack D or Bill Bailey, I think. So when you ask a typical British person how do they feel, it's either Fine. Not, not too bad. Yeah. Like this, this fear of generally the negative outweighs the positive. Yeah. Things could be worse. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. On, on a scale of here to global apocalypse, you no, know, it's not. We're not that bad yet. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So generally, the, the the default tends to be meh towards yeah the world ending. That we're somewhere yeah. on that scale. So. And I, I tested this theory on another user group that when you ask people for a list of 100 different emotions, I think about eight, 70 to 80% of them were, were negative. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. So we find it easier to access the negative. And again, I think that's probably a cultural thing across different um, uh, geographies, but typically the Brits find it to—it's yeah, easier, to, it's easier to, to access the negative. So widening your positive emotional Uh, Range as well as widening your negative emotional range.
0: Okay. Is there something I can practically do to do that?
1: Um, So there's loads of different um, tools and um, prompts for these things. My favourite one is um, someone, I'm going to credit someone called Chris Jurrell. He created something called the Periodic Periodic Table of of Emotions. Okay. So he found that that, to appeal to scientists. To appeal to someone with a more scientific mindset, which yeah. again, you? yeah, exactly, that's what, why I looked at it. But basically, it's a, it looks like a, period, a standard periodic table, but it divides emotions across the range. Yeah. So on the left hand side, you've got kind of more. Your noble emotions. Volat- no, that'd be the right hand <laughs> side. Okay, sorry. So yeah, your more spiritual, noble emotions okay. would be your heady emotions yeah. on the right. Your volatile Le- lithiums and things. Exactly, your volatile emotions, the visceral ones on the left, and your heavier ones towards the bottom. So it's quite a nice way, and it's quite graphical. And it's quite fun. So just reading through that, and I, as a scientist myself, I'm quite quite interested. That just broadens your range. Can and you give me a,
0: a new emotion? Like, not necessarily a new emotion, but give me something that I, I might not have in my vocabulary. That would be good to add. Um, something you might not have in your. Put, vocabulary. put them on the
1: spot here, listeners. You are. Um, I've I read it this morning, and I can't. The ones that stood out for me, we probably have already heard of. Um, no, can't think of one. No, now. you put me on the spot.
0: I'm going to uh, so say a word that I don't think I've ever really used to describe my 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 state of emotion, but I might try to include it. Buoyant. Okay.
1: What, and why do you find do you feel you find it harder to access that?
0: I'm not saying harder, I just don't think I've ever used that word mm. and it came to mind. It's just the word that popped into my head. I mm. don't really know why. Um, and so I'll, I'll explore that for a minute and I'll say so buoyant, first thing I'll is is buoyancy. So floating rather than drowning. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping myself up, yeah. I'm, I'm going up. An upward trajectory.
1: Point to me. sounds something floating. that could be. It's not necessarily stable.
0: True. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of riding with the wave, mm. I would say, rather than kind going like, under. Literally bouncing. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know whether this is um, this is an accurate interpretation. I don't know whether that even matters. But for me, also buoyant, I would associate with a balloon, a helium yeah. balloon, that um, you could be floating and high and mm. weightless. Um, what about melancholy?
1: Hmm. Oh, that's a different one. That's yeah, an alternative. I, yeah,
0: I, like that. I don't think I really use the word, but I definitely um, associate with it. Yeah.
1: How do you? How do you? Would you describe feeling melancholy?
0: Um, often, how I feel at the end of a long, boring meeting. Okay. So i have used the word drained and often melancholic. Mm. So a meeting that doesn't really, if I feel that I haven't really had a huge amount of progress or outcome, and a lot of people feel like they've wasted time. Mm. I think I would often that word would, would come to me. Mm.
1: I always associate melancholy with sad, with more pure sadness, mm. but maybe that's too too harsh. There are ranges of these things, aren't they? Mm. And we tend to, and I like the word that you use a lot, which is catastrophize. We tend mm. to add maybe sometimes too much depth. To a word, to, to how we're feeling, and that, and that again, that can be sometimes more stress-inducing than it needs to be. Well, having that range,
0: you've brought to mind one of the videos that's in both of our favourites, Julian Treasure. Yeah. <coughs> um, look him up. A couple of good TED On talks. On TED, yeah. Um, they, one of the things he mentions is that we should be more mindful about the words we use because if I describe something as awesome just by default. Mm. What word do I use when something actually is? Or something. <laughs> it actually gives me a sense of awe. Mm. So we, we throw words around yeah. too easily, mm. being more mindful about those words. And when it comes to emotions, am I really distraught? Yeah. yeah.
1: So this is something I will talk about in the talk that I'm doing both tonight and on next week. Um, I'm going to tell the story, and you know the story, but it describes the... but I think the first time I've ever felt an emotion, which was on holiday this year, and I think now what I was, what I describe, and what I experienced is, is what is known as shock. Okay. Genuine shock. Um, so the story behind this, list is in a, in a, in a nutshell, is when I was on holiday this year, we uh, we went to Spain and we took my car on holiday and my car was a subject of an arson attack basically someone torched it overnight and set fire to it and completely destroyed it um, and I, when I went back to the car in the morning and first saw the devastation that had been caused and the remains of my car I was I'd experienced things that I'd never my brain just how my brain work was working or in this case wasn't working I can only put down to genuine shock okay? So basic loss of function. I couldn't remember my phone number. I couldn't um, write down my address at the police station. Loss of, of all sorts of... And you, obviously there's other emotions then that, that spark off all of the more functional things that, that, mm. that come from that. But it's a weird thing. I don't think I would... and I mean, that, that's a phrase that I use all the time, is being shocked. But mm. I don't, until you actually realise what shock feels like, genuine mm. shock, and I'm sure other people have felt that in other other circumstances. It's quite hard to understand. I I feel I could understand someone else better now when they say they they were in shock or they they felt shocked.
0: Yeah, most of the previous uses of the word shock have probably been surprised. Yes, exactly, which is is different. Yeah.
1: It doesn't affect you in quite such a a basic way.
0: Yeah. um, John Cumming, one of our patrons, tweeted, a reply to me, I can't remember what the actual, what I said to begin with, but the, it basically led down the path of words. Words are imperfect, mm. but they're the best that we've got. Mm. And yeah, that, I think what you're saying there is expanding your literal vocabulary, but also your emotional vocabulary, mm. being able to differentiate between surprise and shock. Mm. Um, it's gonna be helpful in terms of knowing yourself better and then, rather than me say, "Oh, oh I feel, feel a bit surprised that I can sense you," mm. no, no, I'm not a fucking surprised. <laughs> I'm
1: shocked. And that's and, and that's one of the games. Well, you remember we, we played this a yeah. while back. Um, and I'm going to try and reintroduce it when I get mm. to, go to Lisbon. A bit of a spoiler alert there, but hopefully this will, this will probably go out after Lisbon. But a game called Intuitions, which I picked up from um, Paul Z Jackson, another improv teacher that I uh, I work with from his book, and it's a game called Intuitions, and basically you stand opposite a partner and you make a series of, of three observations. Something, you start with something that's immediately obvious. So, for, we've done this before on a podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we have. So, some, Jeff's I obviously wearing a navy a blue shirt today. I to oh, am, yeah, it's really
0: one of my favorites.
1: Um, and then we'd also say something else that we've noticed So the first one is obvious, the second one is, I've noticed something more about you today. Mm -hmm. Um, I've noticed that you're checking your watch a bit more often than usual, something like that. Um, And then the third observation is that you then use those two things, the second thing primarily, to lead to a third, which is purely based on your own intuition. And it's a bit of a gamble, but I think if I was to say, I'm I'm detecting that maybe you're... Um, you've got something else planned for, for after this. You, you've got some t- kind of time schedules to be on today. It may be wrong, it may be off, but I think if you if you're better at assessing that sense of empathy that um, sensing, even the, the change of facial expression, the, the body language, you're much more visible to that. Mm. Um, then those intuitions that you make might not be as far off as you might think. That's why I think it's a, it's a, it's a muscle. I think you can practice these things. Okay. And generally, Without that safety, we don't, perhaps, go on our intu- 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 intuition enough.
0: Yeah, that's fair, right. right. good. How long is your session in
1: Brisbane? 75 minutes. Ooh, it's a whopper. It's a whopper. Yeah. But it's so gonna be interactive. Though, we're gonna it? do some live coaching, I think, in it. Ooh. We'll break into some groups. Um, some on the stage? No, not on the stage. Well, on a couch? No, not, not, nothing that heavy. But um, we'll break into pods of three and then hopefully do some coaching. Very nice. And try and get some of these, weave some of these things in. There's a lovely game, so credit to my co presenter, Yona, who introduced me to a few more improv games around emotions. And people can play this at home, um, just around the dinner table. But you say the word oh, oh, Oh. but in a different emotion. And you try and copy the emotion around the table. Okay. So someone, and again, it helps you broaden your. uh, emotional vocabulary by someone suggesting something and then all copying it.
0: Okay, so I don't tell you what the emotion is. Well,
1: you can you could play it more mysterious like like that or you could just name it and then everyone tries to copy it. And then we just they, pick
0: a card that's got yeah. emotions on it.
1: And... Yeah. Okay. Emotional cards,
0: yeah, and then just go with it. And is there a is there a point system? Is there a winner? Is there a does not have to be a winner and loser. Oh, it's nice though, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit yeah, of gamification. Yeah.
1: But it's just a way to you know, and so I'm
0: going to introduce a winner system, right? So Call someone them. picks a card, yeah, and they are the judge. So yeah. it says surprise. Everybody has to say, oh in a surprise way, and that person picks the the, one, the winner. Yeah, okay. there you go. They get a point, yeah. and then they're the judge. I believe
1: that is a daily stand-up challenge game. Who's yeah, named that? Very good. Nice, nice segue. But um, yes. I think, was it Esther, was the emotional check-in one of Esther's check-in protocols? No, it I made the McCarthy,
0: up. McCarthy those the core protocols. Yeah, to but them. just
1: naming, even in a daily stand-up, just getting teams into the habit of naming where you are emotionally today. Writing those down, putting them on a board, coming back at the end of the sprint and saying, these are the emotions that we experienced. Just getting more used to it. You don't have to do anything with them, but just getting more used to naming, identifying, and becoming more aware of the emotions that we're all experiencing.
0: I will I want this somewhere I want to segue to, but Paul might cut me off, who knows. That emotions are contagious. Oh yeah. So there's there's a school of thought that says if you if you if you encourage people to air their negative emotions or draining emotions. Yeah. That other people will be contaminated by them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you focus on positive emotions, people can be positively contaminated by them. But then there's another school of thought that says, well, that's just toxic positivity. Mm. Yeah, forced positivity. Mm. What do you think about that? I think I think it, it depends
1: on the individuals, I think. I think I think some of I think and again, this is—I'm not basing this on science. I'm basing this on my opinion. I think this is down to the individual to a degree as to how much you're open to and you you catch emotions from others and you, you're suggestive
0: in terms of emotions from others. A team is bound to be a range, right? You're going to have some people who, are, oh, yeah. more, like you, more comfortable with emotions, and other people who are needy, yeah, like yeah, me, who just—they don't want to talk about emotions, not feelings. No, I just no headphones, thank you. Star Wars and uh, Minecraft. Well, yeah,
1: yeah, but that—that's I think. A pit, but that might be
0: a I safety I don't come to work to talk about feelings.
1: That might be a safety thing. Everyone has feelings. Yeah, emotions. but I don't come to work to talk no, about my feelings. No, I agree. I agree. Well, what was your I'm point? What was your, what was your question?
0: How do you deal with that? Yeah, uh, so if I, I'm worried that if, if you start talking about, oh, I'm sad today, mm. then I might start feeling sad. But actually, I was OK before you started talking. Mm. Do I need that? Do I need your sadness in my life? Yeah, I think. I'm role playing now. No, I know, I know.
1: I th- I think I think positivity is, is contagious. I don't think that's a bad thing, um, and I would...
0: People who are highly empathic, mm. really, like there's, there is a, 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 I say phenomenon, it's not the right word. People are, there are empaths out yeah. there, aren't they? Yeah. Who just are sponges when it comes to people's emotions. Mm-hmm. And if they're near people for a period of time, they can be overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose we're all on that kind of scale, to a degree. Mm. So, I don't know. My, 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 if I was to answer my own question, I would be saying that this is something that I would be very mindful of as a scrum master. It would be an optional thing, and I think uh, a sort of graduation. Well, maybe you exposure.
1: could. Maybe writing it down is better than speaking it. Um, writing it down, putting it on a bit of paper, putting it in a box, you know, or yeah. you know, binning it, or that, that. And I again, one of these games I'm going to play tonight is the idea of drawing it. Drawing it. You don't have to name an emotion, but think about where you are right now. Draw it. Draw. Symbolise it. Write it as an emoji. Anything you want. Draw it. Write it down. Just to always to practice where you are. Right now, which headspace are you in? But I do think from a team, a a support point of view, and I'm not suggesting here we have to go into deep levels of. Therapy and things like that, but from a support, a team supporting each other point of view, I think it's important for teams to recognize when other members of your team are feeling something that you might not detect. Yep. Mm. Um, and right. if they want to, if, yeah, maybe it's an optional thing. If they want to air it, if they want to talk about it, maybe the Scrum Master is the foot, is, it makes, them, makes it known that they, they can be a, a, a listening
0: board for, for, for that. Let me try and bring this back. So I started talking about positive intent and just thinking positively about people. All right, so I have a phrase that I like to say, and I've probably said it multiple times on this podcast, so apologies listeners, mm-hmm. but hey, repetition is, is important. Um, every dysfunctional behavior is a symptom of an unmet need. Yeah. So when I see someone that's acting a bit like a dick, my initial instinct isn't, oh, they're a bit of a dick. It's, okay, something's going on for them right now. They haven't got something they need it could be safety it could be privacy it could be they're bored and they need some stimulation some mm. fun it could be anything so my initial is that they need that they need something i'm not necessarily the person to give it to them but they need something and that sort of empathy that that um thinking positively um and if i'm just focusing first of all on can i empathize with their possible situation. So I'm not judging them. Uh-huh. I'm not in, instantly drawn to how this person is affecting me. I'm thinking, so they must have some shit going on for them right now. That's going to help our relationship.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It's going to help me uh-huh. because I no, no longer think of myself as a victim. them as the persecutor. Uh-huh. I think of them as someone in need. And so I don't have to solve the problem. I don't have to work. I don't have to know what they're going through. Uh-huh. I just have to know they're going through something. So that sense of well, what you said about self-awareness. Mm. Can I increase my verbal and emotional vocabulary and practice experiencing different things so I can pick up on these things more? Mm. I don't even have to raise it with them. Mm. But I can just get the... My spidey sense is more attuned, And I can just be more mindful. Mm. Just be a better teammate. Mm. Even yeah. if they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. How about that? Mm. I like that. It's good. That's probably the point where we need to wrap it up. Yeah. I'm going to make a, make a request. OK. I'm going to make a request to our lovely listeners. Um, you probably noticed we haven't had a shout out to any new patrons for a while. Mm. So I'm going to put a request out there. If you enjoy this podcast and you think there is someone out there who would enjoy it, please, tell them about it. We would love to have uh, have, a, have a wider audience, a wider club, that Absolutely. We're part of, a wider Always. tribe. Uh, so um, yeah, cheers to you and we'll hopefully see some of you soon. If you're cheers. in Lisbon, go and grab Paul. <laughs> cheers.
1: cheers. cheers all.